3: This is the Lombardi Line
1: with
4: Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VCN.
5: It has come to us, Stephen Bond, as we welcome you in. Start anew. Well, Michael Lombardi started yesterday. I start my week today. Here he's yeah. Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. Lombardi Line. Let's let's do this. Because we've got a three, three and a half tonight, Denver. I've got most books split right now. A few show in three, a few show in three and a half, Indianapolis. We'll get into, and we're going to start from the indie side here in a second. But let's carry over a conversation we just had for two minutes. Mike Leach. Is doing a great job Mm -hmm. at Mississippi State. Could the Pirate, I know this is random, could the Pirate be a head coach in the NFL? You always talk about projecting these guys to the NFL. Matt Rule was talked about as a guy. So could Mike Leach, with his irreverence, be a head coach in the NFL? Let's have a little fun to start.
4: You know, I, I think this whole notion that college coaches can't come into the NFL is wrong. You know, I think where Matt Rule, when he comes into the NFL, I think you look at what Matt Rule's done in Carolina. You say, well, he hasn't won in a game. His team's better than when he got it. Now he don't have a quarterback, right? He does right. He didn't. He hasn't fixed the quarterback position. So it's been in my head the last couple of days is like, as bad as the quarterbacking has been in the NFL this season, I wonder if Michael Leach could do it because when you watch this Mississippi State team, and I think they're good. I love watching them. I really do. They're physical. They're tough. They're they're well coached. And I spent three days up in Pullman with them. I don't know how he does it, I really don't. His clock is completely different than my clock. It's like he lives in Australia and he lives in Melbourne and I live in New Jersey, you know, it's like a weird clock. But his teams play and it gets done. And he and I think he does a good job of picking coaches. I mean, look at look at the assistants that he has picked that have gone on to have really good careers.
5: Yeah, it's fast and he's turned programs around quickly when he got there as well. So Mike Leach, that's uh you know, it's interesting you start with quarterback development because the matchup we've got going on tonight both made major trades in the offseason, of course, Indy acquiring Matt Ryan and Denver acquiring Russell Wilson. And you've got the Colts as the lowest scoring team in the NFL at fourteen point three, and the Broncos the third lowest scoring team in the league at sixteen and a half. You've got a total of forty two. It's uh On paper, it looks like a snoozer all of a sudden when before the season, if you said Thursday night, week five, kick it off with the Colts and Broncos, you would have said a marquee matchup. Yeah, but I mean, like,
4: I think if Russell Wilson doesn't play at a really high level tonight, I would be really surprised. Why? Well, again, let's go back to the coordinator matchup page that we talk about all the time on the show, right? So he's going to go against Gus Bradley. Where's Gus Bradley from? What's Gus Bradley done? Gus Bradley has been part of the Seattle defensive scheme. Russell, every day at OTAs, every day in training camp, when it was ones against ones, it was he went against this scheme. Every day. So if there's anybody who understands it, who understands how to attack it, what you must do to attack it, it should be Russell Wilson. And assuming that this line can protect, they should have a good day throwing the football. They should. Because the scheme isn't going to confuse them whatsoever. It's going to come down to just sheer execution. It's not going to come down to Jamal Williams not playing and Melvin Gordon in. It's going to come down to can we execute? Can we get the ball down the field? Can we make explosive plays? Can we get the ball in the end zone? That's going to be key. They're one of the worst red zone teams in football. you know. And so can we get in there? 30% of the time they score red zone. I mean, it's horrible.
5: Yeah, that's the worst in the NFL. It's horrible. The Broncos are the worst in the NFL scoring touchdowns in the red zone.
4: And they move the ball. They move, they gain yards, but they can't finish drives. So for me, I think that's what makes me lean towards, I think it's going to be a little bit more scoring than we think. And without Randy Gregory for Denver playing tonight, I think that really helps Indianapolis protection-wise. Now, they're going to move some people around in their offensive line. They have to. I mean, they have to. The left tackle, yesterday we had Mike Sando on, and he was talking about the one position they haven't filled outside of the quarterback since Costanza left is the left tackle, and that's right.
5: Okay, well, let's start here then. A pro texted me this morning. He had over 226 passing yards for Russell Wilson, of course. The Colts actually stopped the run. They're second in DVOA, but they're 27th against the pass DVOA-wise. So let's go over that 220. You can find anywhere between 226 and 228 for Russell Wilson as far as passing. No Javante Williams, of course. He's out with the ACL, which is terrible. Uh, He has gone over that total twice. It's just big picture. As we shift to Indianapolis, I mean, I, where to start? Second worst in offensive efficiency. Seventh worst in defensive efficiency. Outside of the Kansas City game, which is now, Michael, we can say that's an outlier. They got shut out against the Jags. They tied the Texans. Uh, they, What was the one I'm missing here? Oh, they lost by seven last week to the Titans. Like This has been an unmitigated disaster to start the year for Reich and the Colts.
4: Right, and and the the chief game is special teams turnovers, right? I mean, that's how they won that game. The special teams kind of messed them up. The special teams of the Chiefs, I mean, right? I mean, they right. gained two hundred fifty nine yards in that game, you know, and they didn't. Run. They have had one hundred yard rushing day so far this year. They had five hundred seventeen yards against the, the Texans opening day, and they, and they tied that game. They should have won that game. The other problem with the Colts, which is the problem that they didn't have last year. Remember, last year they led the league in creating turnovers. This year they've only created three turnovers. If you're going to run this scheme that that they're running, the Gus Bradley, the Pete Carroll, the old Dan Quinn scheme, which is all it's all about the ball. We got to turn the ball over. We got to turn the ball over. If you don't turn it over, you got problems. I mean, last week, think about it. They they only give up two they gave up 127 yards rushing. Tennessee only had 116 yards passing and won the game. They scored 24 points in the first half, didn't have to
5: score again. They didn't score in the second half. Indy only scored seven in the second half and lost by seven. That was at home. And you're talking turnover differential right now. They're at a minus six. Only the commanders and the saints are behind the Colts as far as turnover differential. So let's take a step back and just, we can talk about the minutia of what's plaguing the Colts, but there does seem to be some questions about Reich at this point. I don't know what's happened with the offensive front. You can help me there. Let's talk about those two individually, the head coach and the offensive line. Well, I
4: mean, look, everybody says they're not going to have Jonathan Taylor tonight. That's going to hurt their offense. They've had Jonathan Taylor for the first four weeks. It's hurt their offense. They can't block anybody. Like, (laughs) how does Taylor not play and help them? Until they fix this offensive line, until that starts to play at a higher level, I don't care who the back is, right? I think that's been their issue. They look soft to me up front, which is something I never thought. The one thing I've always liked about Frank Wright was I thought he was an offensive coach with a defensive temperament. I thought his teams were tough. But they don't look tough to me. You know, they really have struggled in the offensive line. And other than Nelson, everybody else hasn't been very good. And they've got some good players. Now, they don't have great speed on the outside. We know that. Right, they haven't been able to find that number one receiver. You know, Paris Campbell hasn't really come through for him. Pittman's a good player, but he's not an elite player, not a number one guy. Alex Pierce has kind of you know dropped two touchdown passes in the opening weekend, which really hurt them. But you know they got this kid Woods, the tight end, that I think is really could be special. They drafted him in the third round this year. They've got to figure out how to block Patrick. That's going to be the key. You know, tonight we'll get Hines as the running back, and they've got to be able to find a way to block. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge.
5: Matt Ryan's 23rd in adjusted net yards per attempt. He just hasn't played well. He's fumbled the ball nine times. Remember, I think two of those fumbles led to the Titans, what, scoring 14. So yep. the turnovers have been embarrassing for Ryan. It's just, again, the protection hasn't been great. He's missed receivers. Taylor, the best offensive player, or maybe the best player on that Colts team, didn't perform 20 rushes for 42 yards last week it's it's really confounding how badly this team has played offensively.
4: Yeah, and, and, and their passing game. I mean, look, they have one receiver. Remember, I'm a big believer in yards, it, it, it percentage of attempts, to, the throws to you, and catches, right? I'm a big believer in that. Targets and receptions, right? And Pittman's at 74%. He's had 28 targets for 20, 20 catches. There's no other player above 50%. No other player. Like, this is how bad it is. Like, they can't throw the football. I mean, uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor's had 16 targets. He only has nine catches. He's averaging five yards a catch. Right? So, like, there's nowhere they're getting anywhere. They're not getting anywhere with this. And that's really, to me, that's a big problem. That's
5: a huge problem. There are two things about Reich that would frustrate me if I'm a Colts fan. And one is... The motivation angle going to Jacksonville this year after the Jags kept them out of the postseason last year and getting shut out down there. That's one Two, coming off a Kansas City win where you kind of luck boxed your way into it and then the perform so poorly the next week. There isn't this continuation with Reich where he kind of builds that momentum. You see it's kind of a choppy team in his tenure.
4: You know, and I think what more, what disappoints me if I were a general manager of the Colts and, and is the fact that when we play at home, you know, we should have a significant advantage because of the crowd, though, is because of the ability that we should play where it's, you always feel like when you're playing in a dome, you feel rushed. You always feel like, oh my gosh, this is happening so fast. And I think that that's got to concern you, you know, and the fact that we talk about starting the season fast and we go down to Houston and we, and we, we tie the game and could have lost. Then we go to Jacksonville, and that game's over in the first quarter. I promise you, that game wasn't even close. They got Jacksonville after this game. They played Jacksonville at home after this game. They've got Denver and Tennessee the next in between Jacksonville. and They've lost to both teams, T- Jacksonville and, T- and Tennessee.
5: Yeah, it ain't pretty. Shaq Leonard's no. going to be out for the Colts and, and also but Ty don't Lewis. do you feel so like that- tonight...
4: Don't you feel like tonight's the custard last stand game for the Colts? What, I mean, if they what? go, if they if if they go one three and one, I know they're not technically out of it, but if I, I think to me, this is one of those where either we get this going or it ain't going.
5: I couldn't agree with you more. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Broncos. What the hell is the game for the Broncos, Michael? It's not like I mean they've completely they're two zero at home, zero and two on the road, but it's been an ugly four games. It's been a really ugly four games. So, and I just think the pressure's kind of, mount. there's a weird vibe with the Hackett situation where they have yeah. to start becoming more efficient on offense because that's his thing. Or it's going to start to spiral and get really odd. Like, I think yeah, Wilson performs it, tonight because I think he kind of has to.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds I, I, weird. I mean, it ain't if he does it, it's not going to be his fault. Not going to be his fault. No.
5: No, there's something about the play calling. The coach is overwhelmed, so let's come back. At, you're 100% right, though, about the Colts. By the way, the Colts, their last nine have cashed to the under. They're 4 0 to the under this year. We're back. Lombardi line just getting started on Thursday.
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, we got you back here, and it is NHL season, of course. The prep guide is out. I can't keep Michael away from this NHL prep guide during the breaks. That's how good it is. All 32 teams previewed. You get the best bets for player awards, rookies to watch. Three things. This is the cool part about the guide this year. We're going to help new bettors understand how to bet NHL. Annie McNeil is on it. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Here's what I do know about uh, Michael Lombardi. One, he's got a new book coming out. I was looking through the book, by the way. We're going to get to Vinici coming up in just a little bit. I can't wait to get the hard copy of Football Done Right, though, because digitally it trips my brain out. Uh, But here's what I will say. It's going to be a nice – it's going to be actually kind of warm in Ocean City, New Jersey today, but the fall is officially here this weekend. you got a high of 59, a low of 45 for you on Saturday and the same on Sunday. That is fall weather. That is football weather, my friend.
4: It's going to be great, yeah. And, and you bring up Jerry Venisi, unfortunately passed away. His brother Sam is an older brother. He's a veterinarian in Wisconsin, and very helpful for me as I wrote the book. I spent a lot of time interviewing both Jerry and Je- and and Sam uh, about their brother, oh, wow. Jack, who, who was the director of player personnel for the Green Bay Packers through the 50s. Doesn't get enough credit, really. He drafted they put together a team that had 13 Hall of Famers, and people said, well, Lombardi won it. Well, you know, drafts, Forrest Greg, Paul Hornung, a bunch of stars, and yet they never got the right coach. And when you really study his career, he was instrumental in bringing Lombardi to Green Bay because of their Italian heritage together, and Lombardi trusted him. He didn't trust the board of directors in Green Bay. He trusted Jack Venisi. And when he passed away suddenly at a heart attack at, I think, 80, 33 years old, the, pay, the, the, the Packers arrived at, uh, at their airport from the West Coast trip after they won the cl- cl- clinched the West, and Lombardi praised Jack and said, we wouldn't have won this without him. And so he just doesn't get enough love. You know, he doesn't get enough uh, – he should be considered for the Hall of Fame. He certainly should be on the Packer Hall of Fame wall. You draft that many Hall of Famers, Star Taylor, you know, Horning, you know, all these guys that they, they did. It's just remarkable. And nobody wants to give him any credit because they weren't winning when he was when when he drafted
5: them. You can read about Jack Venisi in the forthcoming Michael Lombardi book, Football Done Right. Jerry Venisi passes away, architect of that eighty-five Bears team at the age of eighty. Let's let's save that. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit, get your remembrances. Uh as we transition to, you know, the reason I'm kind of Speaking quickly about this game tonight, Michael, because I do think it's important because we're toggling between the key number. As a matter of fact, so three is the key number. How about this? 23 games have been decided by three points or fewer this year. That's the most in NFL history. Is it parody or is it competition? Here we go. 16 16 games in week four. 15 of those games in week four were within one score in the fourth quarter. That's the most in NFL history. This is, to me, it's just a great product. Some would say parody. I love the product.
4: Yeah, but, you know, the other load I read today on Twitter, and I I thought I saved it, I don't know why it's not here, is the fact that I think 13 games last week, the point spread wasn't in play. Think about that. At the end result, the point spread wasn't in play. gotcha. You know what I mean? At the end result, the point spread wasn't in play. Yet, you know, yes, the Jets covered the three and a half, but, you know, you're watching that game, it's 20 to 10 in the fourth. You think the Steelers are easily going to cover that line. They don't. But I, I think to me... These games are – that's why I don't understand it. What you just said there, I don't understand this insistence on turning down three points early in the game. I get it later in the game in the fourth quarter. I don't get it on the opening drive in Cleveland against the Atlanta Falcons where you have a nice drive and you're at the four-yard line and all of a sudden you just turn your nose up to three points and you lose the game by
5: three points. You can't – you can't. Turn up turn away three points. I understand if you want to go money line, if we're talking two, well, one and a half or one, not even two. Here's what I will tell you. It's important right now for new betters to understand. You see Bet MGM's numbers three and a half, DraftKings is three and a half, but Circa, Westgate, many books are still sitting three. Don't you find the three a little surprising? Like the way the Colts have played, not playing well at home last year. Jonathan Taylor out. Don't you find that a little surprising? It's not three and a half everywhere. I, I thought
4: it would be. Th- I thought it would be three and a half. In fact, I, I thought it would go up. I mean, I really did. And uh, initially on Monday when I looked at it, my number for this game is four point six eight. So I definitely thought it was good because I don't have Indianapolis power ranked very high at all, statistically, and all the areas that I break down. I don't. But to me, I I, I the factor here is the custard Last Stand game. Right. Mm -hmm. This is, they Mm got to make their, they got to do something. National TV. They got to do something. I mean, you know, the one thing I think when you watch Nathaniel Hackett coat, you don't get a sense of confidence from him from the sideline. No, you don't. I get a guy, I get a guy who seems like he's in over his head. I'm not saying he is, but he seems like it. right. I get a guy who's a little unsturdy. It's a little bit like, you know, do you need the walker? You don't need the walker. You know, I think you need the walker. Like, that's what I get.
5: I'll give you another one, and this is just playing the body language. But Kingsbury, he gets fidgety late in games. You ever notice that? Where Kingsbury oh, seems yeah. a little, he starts to rush a little bit. Hackett, I don't think I've visually seen somebody just—he looks scared. That yeah, look, he, I'm not. He doesn't Freud. look confident. He, he doesn't, doesn't look, look confident.
4: confident. You know, and that—that that sells to the players. You know, and that doesn't sell to me. Like, of course. be interesting tonight when we watch him, because there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on him in these big games. And I think, to me, I think he'd rather play a 1 o'clock game on Sunday than have the, the Amazon crew come in there and have him partake in all this, especially, you know, with all the, the you know, we got the Jerry Roseburg, who's managing the game, who's doing this. So, to me, I, 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 I get a sense of that, and that, that bothers me. And I'm not saying he's not ready for it. He's a young guy. Nobody's ready to become a head coach. But I don't get the sense of confidence. I get the sense of, oh, wait a minute. This is way bigger than I ever thought it was going to be.
5: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I agree with your read a thousand percent. So... Let's flip it to the Broncos where the Broncos are the worst team scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I think equally there is good on defense. You know, this defensive front for the Broncos against a struggling Colts offensive line. That's an interesting matchup to look at, but I'll just ask you a broad picture question because you were very focused on the Broncos last week against your son and the Raiders team. What do you take away from that Raiders game with the Broncos moving forward?
4: Well, the Raiders were determined to run the football, right? The Raiders were going to go after them. They weren't going to back down. And the Raiders' plan was to make sure that Chubb and, and Gregory didn't mess up the game. And they did that. You know, they rushed for 212 yards in that game. Think about that. Had the long yeah. run. They closed the game out. They didn't throw it as well as I thought they would have. You know, they went after Sertan. Sertan was on Devontae Adams a lot, and they went after him. They, and it was I would say it was successful. I hate that matchup. I hate best against best because sometimes the best – your best doesn't win as much as their best wins, right? So Mm -hmm. I felt like, to me, now Gregory's out of the game. That that hurts Denver a lot. That hurts Denver a lot because they lose an elite pass rusher. They lose somebody who's going to be disruptive, who would have dominated against any left tackle that the Colts would have put in there. Bradley Chubb's going to – you know, he's got to step up a gear – the Raider game last week, Chubb had an assist tackle. That's all he had, no hits on the quarterback. Gregory had one assist attack, one one total tackle and one assist, and one hit on the quarterback. So they neutralized those two guys in the rush game. DJ Jones was a problem too now. So that that's going to be the Colts. They're going to have to find a way to get the ball out quick, get it to the receivers, and do they have guys that can separate man-to-man against what they're going to play?
5: I'll, I'll almost throw the Denver offensive struggles against the 49ers on that Sunday night. I think the 49ers defense could be super special. They're so fast, you, you know, uh, the uh, Cowboys I and mean, the Cowboys and 49ers defenses. The thing that separates them is how fast they both are to me. Anyway, that's just an aside. No, they, um, I, I
4: think that's a great point. I mean, I wrote about it in V. I mean, I think they're really, to me, that defense is elite, is elite, you know, and, and for the 49ers, they didn't create a turnover against denver that's the one thing you could say about that game the niners gave it up three times and they right. and they and, and and think about this the niners gave the ball up three times they in won the that game, game and, sh- and they lose by a point
5: you're not how often in your 40 plus like in all the years you've been in football where you see Negative three in the turnover, and then you look up and the team wins. See, that hardly ever happens. Ever.
4: Never, ha- it, it's impossible to happen. And Indianapolis, I mean, when you look at their team, I mean, they can't wait to give you the ball. I mean, they've turned the ball <laughs> over. They turned the ball over nine times in four games. They've only created. They've only created three, and two of them have been in. Spe- most of them have been in special teams. That that you want to look at where the and so why are we turning the ball over? Goes back to our offensive line not playing well.
5: But also, I read into those drops from Ryan that he's nerve—not nervous. He's a vet, but he's fidgety. I mean, he, nine fumbles he's on the year. For the no, he's not comfortable. No, he's not. He comfortable. has no
4: faith in his production whatsoever, and you could see it. He's and he knows he can't get away from anybody. So it's like, oh no, if the play breaks down, it's over. It's over. They're going to have to move him a little bit to get him off that launch bar because they're going to be coming after him. They really are.
5: Home field altitude there's also a crazy stat on Thursday that doesn't bode well for the Colts tonight with on Thursday night teams traveling two time zones are a disaster straight up in ATS I don't have the exact number on me right now uh, it's going to be a loud crowd yeah uh, they are 2-0 at home this year the Broncos it's it's a fascinating game because you said it perfectly I think it's a last not a last stand for the Broncos it certainly is for the Colts but there's I a lot the of pressure against these teams
4: yeah. I think a lot of pressure on the Colts. I think they got to get going here.
5: Okay, let's continue with this one as we continue. We've got a good Thursday night game. It's vSIN, the Esports Benning Network.
4: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on vSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. <laughs>
5: Well, you can't argue with success. And one thing we can say, since we instituted the VSIN Pro policy here on VSIN, the pros have made a bunch of cash. I mean, that's just, that's fact. So become a pro. It's VSIN.com slash subscribe. It's not expensive. And as we talk, Bill just sent out the VSIN Pro picks at a glance you get those emails throughout the day to give you plays you get michael lombardi's exclusive articles you get the pro tips 20 plus a day that are archived so you have them throughout the whole entire year you get the pro tools which includes the betting splits which is worth the money by itself so what are you waiting for it's slash subscribe it sounds like i'm doing an infomercial but i'm simply not michael michael lombardi i'm patrick maher this is the lombardi line i get messages i'm sure you do but you know the visa pro thing is cool because for those that are disorganized, like I tend to be sometimes, it, it's all archived and it keeps everything kind of in its own bubble. So the t- the pro tips, the picks, the tools, they're all there and easy to find when you become a pro.
4: And, and it's, you know, look, we're in the information business. The more information you get, it helps you process.
5: And through elimination, you'll find the right answers. 100%. It is again a fascinating game today I do like your and I'm starting and I just uh, somebody that is also a pro texted me he's he's with you potentially on the over he said hold off because it might come down a little bit we're sitting right now. And I know it's not your favorite thing to analyze, which is the total it opened 40 and a half. It's up to 42. Remember right in that 40, 41, 42 key numbers for the totals. But I will tell you it's Denver's three and one to the under, and the Colts are four and zero to the under this year. The Colts have cashed nine straight unders. That's when you start looking the other way. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy because, but that's when you start looking the other way, right? Because these two right, offenses yeah, you know. are under the spotlight.
4: Right. And, and I mean, it's got to come out. And one thing, you know, is you got to be able to look, they saw the Raiders. What the Raiders were able to do against Denver. Now it wasn't. It was in Las Vegas. So it's you can't take that. But they got to protect the quarterback better. And so, what does that mean? Quick throws, get the ball out, try to make yards after the catch. You know, one of the things about the 49ers that makes their defense so great is once the once they the tackler arrives, there's no more yards. That that that's what makes them so good. Once the tackler gets to the ball carrier, it's over with. Whereas all these other teams you see gain yards, and I think that's going to be the key tonight. Yards after contact are going to be critical. Yards after catch.
5: By the way, the Colts have been outscored by 42 points in the first half this year. 42 in the first half. The number in the first half, the Broncos at home, laying two and a half tonight. Just something to keep in mind. Um, As an aside, you know what else the 49ers have? They have this kid named Bosa. He's a freak. That Bosa family is a freak. It's oh almost like his brother has slept on because of the injuries. His brother has been not good, great in his early career. The Bosa family. I, those I are some good genes. I think I think Nick's better than Joe. Which is crazy because Joe's been amazing. I know, but
4: I just think he's better. I, I know I agree. You know, I, I think I know Nick's the twenty-third best tackle in all of football, defensive end in all of football. Oh, by the way, Billy Turner's gonna start tonight at right tackle for Denver. Which means they're going to get worse because they're replacing the third best right tackle in all of football in Cam Fleming. So we'll see how that works out. Shocking, right?
5: I did want to ask you about that matchup. The Colts' offensive line versus the Broncos' defensive front. Uh, much of the Broncos' early season defensive success, number one in the red zone efficiency and tied for fifth in points allowed, is because they're front. They're tied for sixth in sacks this year. 7th in sack percentage and 14th in pr- pressure percentage. Not a good matchup for a Colts front that struggles coming in.
4: No doubt. You know, the Colts can play the run because they're an eight-man front team. But where the Colts struggle is, is can they get pass rush? Can they create turnovers? Can they get the ball? Can they stop completions? And this is really sets up perfectly for the West Coast offense that Denver runs. Denver should be able to get free access, get into the routes, a lot of four, five, six-yard completions, yards after the catch, and Wilson should be able to not feel the the ball's going to come out quick. And he should be really comfortable knowing where he's got easy throws within this. And and I think that's ultimately – got to start – look, the other thing Denver does, they got to start fast, right? They've got to put – when you have a bad offensive line that travels, like the Colts do, and I never thought I would say that, but the Colts line's not playing well. When a bad offensive line travels – The most important thing is, what are we doing in the first half? What are we doing with the first quarter? Can we get the lead on this team? Can we go into halftime and score? It's been Tennessee's, really, Tennessee's the number one team in scoring points in the first quarter. That's how they've been able to win. Seattle's done the same thing. So for for you in Denver, you've only averaged 3.3 points per first quarter. If you could get that first drive going, get that thing moving, make this line play from behind on the road. Remember, bad lines don't travel. You got a chance. You win the game.
5: You know, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm culpable of this because we get, I got, I got caught up in the narrative. The one thing that I kept on saying to you all summer was, you know, Michael, one thing that's great about Ryan with the Colts is he's finally going to have a line that's going to protect him. What's fascinating. That's the most under, that's the most underperforming unit in all of football. Like uh, based on expectations,
4: anybody anybody that would tell you, well, I saw the Colts line as being bad. They're just making up a story. I mean, that line was pretty good. Now, you know, Wentz, Wentz is still getting sacked in Washington, by the way. But the reality of it is, is they're not playing to the level. Now, is it coaches, players, or schemes? That's what you got to ask yourself. What are they doing? And the fact that they've averaged 5.8 points in the first half all season means that they play. So now they can't score early, so they put their offense at a disadvantage because now they can't pass protect.
5: And then you have a quarterback that... At this point, he's always been a bit of a statue. So it's not like there's going to be that mobility to help you out, get outside. You're not going to call plays specifically to get outside the pocket and help that offensive front kind of gain some confidence. He's just a statue back there. That's what it is.
4: Right. And so here's the difference, right? So last year, in the first half, the Colts averaged 13.8 points a game. This year, they're at 5.8. I mean, they're down eight points and a half. They're down 8 that's- points in the half. Like where where did that all go? And they brought back the line. So that's what I'm saying. Anybody tells you that oh, I didn't like Matt Ryan, he's not good enough, you know, like seriously. Like, you didn't think like this line th- tell me, explain why this line is is 8 points in a deficit in the first half scoring. Is it all Matt Ryan's fault?
5: Well, it's fascinating too because Ursay you know, Ursay didn't like Wentz, and, I, and and that's well reported. I, I wonder what the conversations, because you know he can be boisterous. I wonder what the conversations are early on. Like, does there, does the pressure start to mount? You're calling it Custer's last stand. I think this is, again, this is mammoth for the Colts tonight. I think it's, he's a good football.
4: I, I think he gets the football element. I think that he understands that since Andrew Luck's sudden retirement, they have struggled to find an answer at quarterback. Now, whoever you want to blame for that, I don't know. But that's been the problem. And they haven't been able to manage the position as effectively as some other teams have. Like the Giants. They've managed Daniel Jones as good as you can manage him. I mean, let's be clear. They're they're managing him at at a higher level. Now, last year, last year the Giants averaged 5.8 yards, uh, excuse me, 5.9 points in the first half. This year they averaged 5.8 but they're managing the game
5: differently. You follow me? Like they mm-hmm. haven't gotten Absolutely. better
4: on offense. They're just managing the game
5: differently. That's literally coaching. So your scoring nothing's coach- changed. Nothing's changed Not, statistically. We're just going ma- to We're going to take the play clock games. down.
4: We'll take the play clock. Barkley's playing much better. Details. Yeah, a lot of details.
5: Right. A lot of de- that is that's a wonderful stat. Oh, by the way, did you? I I know you said it with Pat as well, McAfee. But Daniel Jones, he was the best quarterback in the league last week. That's what they tell me. I, I, I'm buying it, hook,
4: line, and sinker. That's what they told me. He was the best quarterback at football last week. I'm I, I'm, I'm sold. Just, I watched just, the tape. Just, I thought, oh my god, this is majestic. When I was watching the tape, I've never seen anything like it. This is this is Danny Marino in his prime. Just Are you, reminding you. yeah. I mean, seriously, you put that out there. Like that's really look. I'll say this. I watched Geno Smith on tape and his numbers are good and his ranking is good. I don't disagree with that. I do not. I think you got a great level of comp. I mean, Geno Smith has thrown the ball effectively in the first half against Denver, not the second half against Denver. He couldn't make a throw against San Francisco, right? That was not an easy game for him. And then he's played against two. Atlanta's defense is not very good at all. And we know Detroit's isn't very good, but he can't control who's on his schedule. He's made throws, and he's not throwing incomplete passes. He's very accurate with the football.
5: Here's one thing I do know to the 31 other teams in the NFL. The best player in week four at the quarterback position in 2022, you can have him in 2023 because he (laughs) will be a free agent.
4: (laughs) Nobody can, nobody, (laughs) you know. I mean, I don't know how QBR can come up with that and you put it out there. Like, if you're running the QBR thing, you say, wait a minute, hold on, time out." Something's this off. doesn't make sense to the eye test <laughs> like we still gotta we, pass the eye test like I get you know like there's some things Mahomes does that doesn't show up in the stats okay I get that but don't tell me this is the this is the best quarter he had two runs they ran the same play about eight times.
5: The eye test also should have been implemented when Tua was falling over himself with a concussion and went back in. The, like, sometimes common sense has to play out here. We are human beings it, It's got to be
4: common, right? But it's not.
5: It's not, Patrick. We are literally human beings. Let's stop pretending yeah. like there's another level with these. An- anyway, how much, you know what? I'll ask you in a little bit, In front offense-wise, how much you talked about the altitude in Denver. We'll get to that answer. Also, Will Hill joins us next here at Lombardi Line.
0: And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: You're listening to the Lombardi line on
4: VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick
5: Maher. Okay, football fans, you can turn a loss into a win with the King of Sportsbooks. That's BetMGM. Just place a single first touchdown score prop on every Thursday night pro football game. And if your bet loses, you're going to receive up to $25 back in free bets. The offer is available all season long, so you can wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app. Get going tonight. Remember, you can get your cash back up to $25. First touchdown score tonight on Thursday night. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. you got to be 21 years or older. Michael Lombardi is there in Ocean City, New Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. We are going to take a deep dive with our buddy, Will Hill, Vison Insider. Now, as we say hi to Will, interesting tonight as we're looking at this number between, th- first off, hi, Will, and this number between three, three and a half, a total that up from 40 and a half to 42. But you are targeting a team total here as we open up the conversation.
3: Yeah, this uh, this game looked a lot better over the summer, didn't it? Uh, the Colts, yes. uh, a wise man once told me bad offensive lines don't travel and this Colts offensive line is really bad. They've got one weapon on offense now with Pittman, but Denver has somebody to cover him in, in terms of Sertan. Uh, I've been saying all summer, Matt Ryan looks shot. I stand by that. I know it's not always fault, but I don't know how the Colts score here. The only reason I'm not laying it with Denver, I mean, look at their offense. Wilson has a sore throwing shoulder. Uh, Williams, who's a tremendous player, is out for the year. Melvin Gordon can't hold onto the ball. Uh, Latavius Murray might be in the mix tonight, but he was just scoring for touch uh, scoring touchdowns for the Saints three days three days ago in London. Now he's wearing a Bron- uh, uh you know a Broncos uniform on Thursday night. I don't know where you get points here. You mentioned the trend, nine straight unders for the Colts. Not always a nine straight unders. It's nine straight unders by a combined like nine and a half points. So they're staying way under. I think it's an ugly game. I don't want to lay points in a game that's gonna be this low scoring. So I will go Colts team total. Under 19 and a half, I don't think they get to 20. I think this is like a weird 19-16 type of game. I'd actually take the three and a half. If you give me the hook with the Colts, I'd actually take it. But boy, this is uh, this is not a pretty game.
4: Well, why would you take the Colts in the hook? You just think it's going to be a field goal game? I mean, do you think it's a back-and-forth game?
3: I worry about Russ's shoulder, and like you you guys said, it's a, it's a Custer last-stand game, and we saw them you know, kind of pulling out against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, similar position. They'd still be in the mix if they lost, just because you never know if Jacksonville or Tennessee is going to run away with this division. You could theoretically win this division with eight, maybe nine wins. So, but look, if you lose this game, it's going to be tough for them. I just think, uh, I don't trust Russ's shoulder. And I think it's sort of a last stand game for them. So I would take the three and a half. Look, all these games are close to the NFL. It's just so hard to lay points. We, we sit here and watch these games every Sunday, every game. There's comebacks, there's close games, crazy finishes. It's hard for me to lay points in any of these games.
5: Hey, you mentioned Sertan. Every draft, the NFL, Michael, they should take a Uh picture of him and say, okay, this is the prototype, a little over 6'2", 210 pounds, or whatever he is, like, he might be the best corner in the NFL right now.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, J.C. Horn for Carolina plays really well, too. Those big corners that can cover up the receivers, they make it hard for the quarterback. And, look, Devontae Adams, they they didn't shy away from him last week. They caught a couple balls on him last week. They got him in some zone situations, but he's good. I mean, he's going to be able to take away Pittman. I think Will's right. Like, where are they going for offensive football? Where are they going to make plays? And Denver's been good on defense without what I think one of the best players on their defense, which is Justin Simmons. He's been out.
5: Yep, that's a good point. Pittsburgh, Will, they have not been at least a 14-point dog since 1969. That changes this year. Nice, by the way. We go to
3: Buffalo, and they, the Steelers and Kenny Pickett, are catching 14. I'm going to take the points here. I'm not thrilled about it. I'm, You know, it's a tough spot for Buffalo. I think it's just sort of a a flat spot, a look ahead with the Chiefs next week. They just played a game against Miami and Baltimore. Both games came down to the last play. Now you're in a situation where you're a 14-point favorite. You got the Chiefs in Kansas City next week. Uh, Tomlin's great as a dog. I think 70%, something like 48-26, something like that, against the spread as an underdog. This is a spot where you don't have any tape on picket. Um, I know Pittsburgh secondary is a mess, but you could be looking at a, a spot in Buffalo where there's some wind. So that could mitigate that disadvantage for Pittsburgh. I just think 14 points is a lot of points. And if I was the coach of Buffalo, I would be telling Alan, look, we're two touchdown favorites. We don't need you running the ball 12 times. Now, look, I'm not the <laughs> coach. I know coaches don't think like this, but it's one thing against Miami Baltimore to run it 10, 12 times. We're 14 point favorites. I don't need you carrying the ball 12 times uh, this week. If you look back, the only other time they were a double digit favorite this year was against Tennessee. He only had one carry. So maybe you can uh, tamper down the running a little bit if you're Allen. Nice seven to 10 point win. 14 is a whole lot of points. I will begrudgingly take Pittsburgh plus the 14.
4: Well, I mean, he only had one carry in that game, but the, that one carry he had was on third down, and that stopped Tennessee from playing man to man. And then that was it. And they still covered that spread easily. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I don't think coaches, nobody in the league ever thinks about we're a 14 point favorite. I really, I've never heard, like, if you talk to any coach on the game, like, yeah, we, we, we should win, but this is going to be a close game. I mean, they, nobody sees it that way, and he's their leading rusher. Like, I don't think they're going to call, determine runs if they get the lead, but I think to run their offense effectively, they've got to get him involved. I think, to me, if you're Sean McDermott, the greatest thing you have going for you is the fact that you lost to him last year. That tape's going to be dominating the whole week. Like, you could say we're coming off of two games, but I could promise you Monday, Sean McDermott start talking about, you know, we got our asses kicked last year by these guys. They walked I would, in the and beat, a beat us. Coach,
3: that's, what, that's what you're telling me, right? I would be a unique coach in the NFL? You would be a unique <laughs> coach, yeah.
4: You, well, you, <laughs> you would, would be, be unique. You wouldn't punt. You would make sure the televisions were, you know, you would have a Major League not... Baseball inserts into the football game. I mean, it would be convoluted, but yeah, I, I could get that. I mean, you know nobody thinks like that. You think like that because you're thinking like a better, but they don't think like that. Like they want to win the game. Now, I do think, do you think they call it off? I think your point's well taken. I think Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. I think he's going to try to manage the game and try to keep it close to the fourth quarter. Does that mean they cover? I think that the, the history says they probably they do because this number's so up, absurd.
5: Be interesting to bring Will Hill's wife in and say, hey, we think your husband is unique. Would you like to expound upon that? Uh, Oh, anyway, uh, let's go Philly. I'm sure she'd have plenty to say. Philly is laying five at Arizona, and you're going to lay it.
3: Yeah, this uh, this is so against my nature to lay points, lay points on the road. But I just think if you look at Philly, they've jumped on teams in the first half. Arizona's been a brutal first half team. I don't like their offensive line. I don't like their defense. Uh, this, this, this feels squarish, but uh, to me, this is a mismatch. I'm going to lay the five with Philly. And if you look at Philly's path, man, they could go a long way without losing a game. I wasn't totally sold on them coming into the year, but they've been impressive. I will lay the points here, uh, which is really against my nature, but I'll lay it here with Philly.
4: I mean, look, I agree. Like, look, this Arizona team starts slow. I mean, think about this, Patrick, the most incomplete passes in the league on a weekly basis is the Arizona Cardinals. The most completed passes on a weekly basis is the Arizona Cardinals. Think about that. (laughs) Think about that, right? Like, I don't know. Like, And I don't trust their defense. If they try to play man-to-man against Philly, they're going to get killed. If they play zone like Minnesota did, uh, I I don't think Philly's going to let down. I know the parade's happening. I know the 76ers are going to the finals. I understand all these things are happening. The Phillies are going to win. It's a red out. It's a hunt for red October here in Philadelphia. But I, I think this is a game that Phillies should control because I don't think Arizona is that good. I really don't.
5: What was the rush to extend Kingsbury? Okay, if you want yeah. to keep him and let him play out his contract, but what was the rush to extend the guy this offseason? I'm sorry. I'm confused. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, what was the rush
4: to extend the quarterback, the head coach, the general? Like, I don't know. This is not a good team. I mean, they're not a good team. I know they beat Carolina last week. That's a 10-3 game at halftime, and Carolina did nothing on offense, and Mayfield couldn't complete a pass.
5: Well, you had to extend Murray because he has a refreshing personality and an effervescent vibe. Uh, Let's go Dallas. You're going to take the 5.5 at the
3: Rams, Will Hill. Patrick, you're cooking today with the Lions. I don't know what you have for breakfast, but you're on on fire day. Thank you. I like Dallas. You know, this Rams team, they're starting to remind me a little bit of the Lakers a couple years ago where they went all in, they won a title, and they just never really competed for another one. Ramsey hasn't played well. Stafford hasn't played well. They can't block. They can't protect. If you go back and look, now, I I know Luck is involved in all these teams' Super Bowls, but they were a four seed, and they got to host the NFC title game and host the Super Bowl and play 10 and 7 teams in both of them. Uh, To me, the Rams are just a mess here. I can't lay more than a field goal. I like Dallas plus the points. I think Parsons is going to be hard to block. Uh, I think this is a field goal game. I like Dallas here. You know,
4: I'll say this. I'll take your
3: luck one step further. They have a false start
4: on the biggest play of the game, and it doesn't get called. It's a false start. It's going to be third and 20, third and 15, and it's not called in the game. And then they get the penalty on Cooper Cup. The play should have been blown dead. The Cooper Cup penalty should have never happened. So and then your man Zach Taylor decides to keep Parine in the game because it's no big deal to Big Zach, you know, and so we don't get a field goal. Talk about luck.
3: And you only got four that, great players yeah. when two of them aren't playing great, Stafford and Ramsey, that's a big issue. McVay said Stafford played great this past Ooh. week.
5: I didn't I didn't feel as though as I was watching a great performance. And I'm a big you Stafford throw, you
4: fan. Throw a, you throw a picks kick on a bubble screen. I don't know if you're playing great. Like I'm just gonna say that. You throw a pick six on a bubble screen. Yeah, you're, you're not playing great. Something.
5: Yeah, you're not. You, plus you're not you led the league practice. in
4: interceptions last year. Like like that's the problem. They don't know who they are.
5: Unique is a great way to explain Will Hill. You can check yeah. him out on Twitter, of course. Deep dive. I Thank can hear you, Josh Appreciate Allen.
4: Jo- don't run me. We're up by fourteen, Josh Allen screaming. Don't run me, I don't want to run. We're up fourteen.
5: Big fan. See you guys. We continue with the Thursday Night Breakdown Plus, Chargers-Browns. If you love
1: sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,